Welcome to the Stop Over Drinking and Start Living podcast, where high-achieving, goal-oriented rebel women come to learn how to live a vibrant and fulfilling life without requiring alcohol to get through it. No labels, no judgments, no saying you'll never drink again, just real proven methods to help you stop rebelling against yourself with alcohol so you can drink less and do more. I'm your host, Angela Masenik. Let's dig in. Welcome to episode 171, How to Not Overdrink During Hard Times. Hey friends, welcome to this week's episode. This is a replay of a class that I taught called How to Not Overdrink During Hard Times. I hope you enjoy. My story is that I was somebody that overdrank for 20 plus years and I started out in college and really it evolved from there. It started out as just partying and things. I definitely overdrank and binge drank for partying and stuff like that and then As I got more into my professional life, I was in sales and marketing. I did pharmaceutical sales for a long time. I traveled. I had an expense budget, uh, marketing meetings, sales meetings, whining and dining doctors and staff. Um, I got really into it, (laughs) really into wine, fine wines, fine dining. I lived in California and in uh, Seattle, Washington. And I had access to a lot of that stuff with Napa Valley and the Washington wine region. And it just sort of evolved from there. And Um, I got married, I had some children, and really the dial turned up around my drinking after I had kids, um, dealing with anxiety, postpartum depression, work stress, the stresses of now having like this very complex life with working and marriage and childcare and all that stuff combined. And really when I was started questioning it, I was noticing that I was using alcohol to numb how I was feeling at the end of the day. Like I had high levels of anxiety and overwhelm. I was stressed out, resentful that I was doing all the one that had to do it all and definitely use wine to take the edge off. And I think it was a part of my identity too, as somebody who was younger and free spirited and I didn't want to be boring. Uh, One of my fears was like becoming a mother and having children and and doing that kind of traditional stuff was that I would lose my identity. I didn't know that then though. I just like I had bought into this idea that drinking wine and and going out and partying kept me young and and fun, which turned out didn't, (laughs) right? But I found life coaching basically. I had quit my job. I really tried to look at how I was doing my life and started thinking about doing my life in a different way. So I quit my job. I was in marketing at a healthcare agency and um, found life coaching and it changed my life. I learned that I was the source of my drinking. It was my responsibility to fix. My emotions were mine to, to solve and process and deal with and that my thoughts could be changed. And it literally blew up in my world. I then became a life coach and I've been doing this now going on four years. So I've coached hundreds of women to stop over drinking. Um, I have successful coaching programs. I'm not going to get into a lot of that today. We'll send you some links um, at the end. If you want to check out my coaching program, you can. And we are actively enrolling people in the Stop Over Drinking and Start Living coaching program. But for today, I just want to give you guys some helpful tips and tools about how to deal Um with being a human in hard times. That's really what it comes down to. We don't know how to be humans and uh, we have a lot of distractions going on. So I I wanna teach you how to do that so you can feel better and drink less. Sound good? Cool, and if you guys have any questions, um, I'll be checking the chat as we go along. Just put them in there as they pop into your head and I'll make sure I get to them. Okay. So again, silence your phones, close down Facebook, be here with me for the next hour. We probably won't go past that today. And, you know, I hope you get some nuggets that you can apply to help yourself drink less and feel better given the current environment that we're in. So we're going to go over hard times and our feelings. I'm going to teach you how you can be with hard times and not over drink. And then I'm going to give you those tools and then I'm going to open up to Q&A at the end. So to help you kind of identify if, if, if you're here and you're in the right place, if you find yourself worrying about what might be happening in the, in the future, given our global climate right now, if you worry about things that are happening in the future, if you, that you'll be impacted. Um, and if you, if you don't, that's okay too. 
um, maybe if you don't know what to do with yourself with these types of feelings of worry or stress, um, and you find yourself like over scrolling or over consuming media or news, um, you might be over watching things or over drinking or overeating. So these types of behaviors we don't really like, right? We notice we don't really like what we're doing. And if you're like, eh, I don't feel good and they, and you try to go distract yourself, you tell yourself excuses like, oh, give me a break. Our world is falling apart. For sure, I can have a glass of wine or it's the pandemic or I can't handle this. If you recognize some flavor of that in your mind and you and you tell yourself excuses and then you drink or eat more than you want to, you're going to learn some things in this class. And often you might say you you won't drink tonight, but most of the time you end up doing it anyway. OK, or you say you're good during the week, right? Monday through Thursday, you're pretty good. But then on the weekends, you're like, I'm not going to overdrink this weekend or I'm only going to have one or two and you end up drinking more. You're in the right place. Hi, Kier. OK, so the first part about this is that you want to acknowledge how you do feel. OK, so this is the part of just being aware of the feelings that you do have. OK, and we're not really taught how to do this. Our feelings are very complex. We aren't given classes on instruction on how to feel our human feelings. We're taught things like math and science and reading and, you know what I mean, like practical things. And, you know, I don't know like how old you guys are, but I grew up and feelings were not to be discussed. They were whatever, like that's your problem, you know, not something that we're really tuning in with. But for now, as we're in this global climate that we're in, what I know about over drinking and helping people do that and solving my own problems is when we're when something big happens like this in the world, like let's just use example for Ukraine, it triggers us, right? It triggers us to have feelings because we have a lot of thoughts about what's happening in the world right now, right? We're, there's a lot of uncertainty. And when things like this happen, like the pandemic or big things, like maybe somebody dies or you get a health diagnosis that isn't good or somebody in your family gets a health diagnosis, right? These big things in our lives or in our world really just, it's like a big flashlight that highlights our problems, right? So if you did overdrink a little bit or something didn't feel right, maybe you overdrink. Now, often it's like a lot. It's a lot more, right? We It amplifies some of the things that we do to self-soothe ourselves when we don't feel good. Does that make sense? So the first part of this is just acknowledging how you do feel. I do feel stressed. I do feel overwhelmed. I do feel worried. Um, I feel helpless. That was that was what was coming up for me when this first started. So what you want to do is name it and describe it. Okay. And then the next thing is to do is you want to validate it for yourself. You don't need other people to validate it for you. You want to validate yourself and like I am a human, and I'm having these feelings, and it's okay. It's normal. Really, it's normal to be feeling any emotion at any time, even if it's not like in a global crisis. Okay. Like even if somebody says something to you very minor and it upsets you, it's normal to have an emotional response. We are humans and our feelings are normal. And so you, that's what you want to tell yourself, right? After you've kind of paused and recognized that you are having an emotion, you want to name it, do the best you can. Even if you can't name it or label it, you're like, I am feeling some tightness in my chest. I am feeling my heart race. I am feeling something in the pit of my stomach. I feel heavy. Even if you can't name the specific emotion that it is, describe what it feels like, okay? And then you just want to take a deep breath and validate that it is normal to be having an emotional response right now. It's okay. Nothing has gone wrong. So how you feel is always num is normal, okay? So this is part of like you have acknowledged it now. You want to understand it a little bit more, right? So being a human is complex, like I said before. It, we have over 100 feelings, that we get to experience by just being alive, <laughs> right? And I think if you guys can all kind of zoom out of your life, you've all experienced being sad and happy, right? Or excited or feeling joyful or feeling love, right? So those are some of the most common feelings. Anxiety is another one, right? Sadness, that kind of stuff. But you can acknowledge that you've had all of these feelings, right? And so what you want to just remind yourself, it's normal to have a range. Like we wouldn't know what happiness feels like without feeling sad. 
we have to have contrast. It's just the contrast of our human experience. So it's all normal. It's not a problem to have emotions. And neither is the thoughts in your mind about whatever is happening either. Your thoughts aren't a problem. Okay. What happens is that we don't know this. We think it's a problem if we feel anxious. We think it's a problem if we feel overwhelmed or worried or stressed or helpless. Right. And we don't like that. We're like, Ooh, what is, Ooh, I just need to take a break. I want to get out of this. I don't like this. We judge ourselves for it. Okay. It's all normal. When, when something big happens, like what we're experiencing now, your brain doesn't like that. It likes to know what's going to happen. <laughs> this is why I, t- I teach my clients about planning ahead. Your brain likes to know what the schedule is, what we're having for dinner tonight. You know, like the kids, what are we having for dinner tonight? Like they just like to know, right? We like to feel assured. We like predictability. Our brains like predictability. And when something unexpected happens in our lives or the world, our brain is like, oh God, what does this mean? Right? Like, what does this mean? Am I like, look at gas prices right now. Like we're making this mean so much, right? So just notice that that's what's happening. Your brain doesn't like uncertainty and will always go to the worst case scenario when unexpected things happen as a protective mechanism to keep you safe from harm. This is how we are hardwired, okay? We are hardwired to observe and project and think the worst case scenario is gonna happen, like ultimately that we might die, right? To protect you from that to make you feel these feelings and kind of stop you from doing something unsafe. Okay. So all of this is normal. Does that make sense? Let me know if you have any questions so far in the chat. Okay. So now that we, we get that, okay, we understand that your brain is having a response and then you get to feel emotions in your body. Now I just want to talk to you all about why you might want to drink more than you want to during times like this. Okay, so we over drink. So over drinking, first of all, if this is your first time here, defining over drinking is very personal to you. So there's no like prescribed amount that means that you're an over drinker. Okay, so you know if you are drinking more than you want. And some for some people, that could be drinking one glass of wine every night of the week. And they can't stop that habit. It's really hard for them. It frustrates the heck out of them. And for them, they classify themselves as an overdrinker. For other people, it's just binge drinking on the weekend. For other people, it's sporadic. Like if it's especially in hard times, they might drink a bottle or two of wine. And then they can go four or five days without it. And then they do it again. Okay, so you identify that, you know, if you're drinking too much, that is good for you. Okay, so we over drink because we're seeking to feel an emotion we currently don't feel in the moment that we choose to drink. Okay, so normally, especially now, like using what's happening right now as an example in the world, we're seeking to not feel helpless. We're seeking to not feel worried or scared or pissed or angry frustrated or confused like how are we in 2022 and this is still happening (laughs) right I had that thought and so when we feel those emotions and then we're like oh alcohol might be a good a good idea because it'll take that edge off so we're seeking our brain is seeking to relax to unwind to de-stress to take the edge off to feel more joy to feel more celebratory okay so it's motivating you when it's seeking that to give you it gives you a suggestion that that's going to help you right now and because external things like alcohol when you ingest alcohol into your body those things or food or um, shopping or drugs or cigarettes or scrolling technology, all that external things outside of our body. When we, when we do those things to ourselves, they don't actually make us feel better. It's actually not a tool that actually helps us feel better. So we need a lot more of that alcohol to get the desired numbing effect that we're after. Thus over drinking occurs. Okay, so if you're not drinking in response to your emotions, you're just like, oh, I'm just, it's just nice to have a glass of wine with dinner a couple times a month. You're not over drinking, right? 
It's the people that over time respond to their feelings and thinking alcohol is a good idea. It will help them in some certain way. We, we, just, we create a very strong neural pathway that makes our brain suggest that alcohol is a good idea. And it, it just doesn't work, as you all know. <laughs> we still wake up with the next day with the same feelings, and now we have even more negative feelings because of how much we drank the night, the night before. Is everybody following me on that? So when you put something outside of your body and you consume it, ingest it, play with it, to address how you feel, you need a lot of it to get the desired effect, right? And then you keep training your brain that that's a good solution and you just keep needing more and more and more. Terry, so that doesn't mean you are negative. Elaborate on that. What do you mean? Or did I answer your question? <laughs> okay. If you need, like, just elaborate on that to make sure I can answer your question, Terry. Okay. So why is it hard for us to say no, right? So like when, especially during these times, right? So we have previously trained our brain that we seek comfort this way. Okay. So some other time in your past, you have used alcohol to take the edge off or to get through a hard time or to relieve yourself from boredom. Okay. You've done that before in the past. So now when these feelings are extra amplified, right? Unexpected things happen. Big things happen, right? Your brain's like, oh yeah, we did that before. That felt good. Let's do that again, right? And this is all very unconscious. You just, you just get an idea in your brain that sounds like, ooh, a glass of wine would be nice right now. I need a glass of wine. That's what it sounds like in your head, okay? So our brain is motivated to seek pleasure and avoid pain. So that's just human programming. Okay. That's the motivational triad, seeking pleasure, avoiding pain, saving energy. Okay. Do you guys remember the motivational triad? So when you're in emotional pain, right, especially when unexpected things happen, you're motivated to go seek pleasure. And if you've introduced alcohol in the past, when you felt that way before, it's going to be an easy yes for your brain to be like, Oh yeah, go do that. Okay. It's easier for us to drink, eat, scroll, overwork, overwatch than to sit with our feelings and thoughts, right? It's easier for us just to do what we normally do. Susan, I'm not going to, you can put your hand down. I'm not going to be like answering your questions live right now. So just, if you have a question, you just put it in the, in the Q and A. Does that make sense? So we're motivated to seek pleasure, avoid pain and save energy. Right. So it's more energy, more work. And we have to sit with our negative feelings for longer when we choose not to drink. Right. Our brain doesn't like that. <laughs> it wants to get out of that fa as fast as possible. And that's just how we're wired. So I think it's really important that you guys understand that. Does it mean that you can't? Right. It just for you to understand why it's so easy to pour a glass when you've said you're not going to do it. This is why, because your brain is programmed to seek pleasure and avoid pain. Right. Okay. Terry says, when you're talking about protecting yourself, when something happens, my husband always says I'm being negative, but I think what you're saying is we are protecting ourselves. Yeah. It's, it is negative thinking, right? We're projecting like the worst case scenario, thinking the worst things possible, right? Telling ourselves stories in a negative way of, of an outcome that might happen. Yes. That is, that is being negative, but it's also just what our brains do, right? You can change that by just being aware of how our brain operates, right? And it's default thinking is going to be to the negative, right? It's just the way it is. And so when you notice that's happening, you could be like, oh, I see this is happening. I wonder if I could think about this differently. We're going to talk about that too. Diane, why is it that when we've broken the pattern or habit, we go back to it? Example, people have gone months without alcohol through coaching and then they start up again. Because those patterns, Diane, are sometimes still there, right? Those old ingrained patterns, this is a really good question. They're still there. We can't obliterate them. They don't really go away. They become quieter and less used, but they are still there. 
And then when something triggers us like this, like maybe circumstances, whatever it is that feels familiar to something that you've done in the past, your brain is going to maybe offer that suggestion to you again. Like, oh, a drink would be good right now. You should just have a drink. You can, one won't hurt, right? It'll, it'll go into those old thinking patterns. So you just want to be willing to recognize that, not think that that's a problem, not be mad at yourself for it coming back. And just recognize it and use the same tools that you've learned how to do it in the past. Let your, I'm going to get into it, letting those urges come in, managing your mind, all of that stuff. Okay. But like, that's really important for you guys to know our neural pathways don't really go away, but we develop new ones in how we think about things, how we react to things. Right. But those old ones are still there. So it's, it's just good to know. Um, can you guys still hear me and see me? Okay. Okay. So I would just like to know, thank you. Um, what is happening with you all? Do, are you guys relating to what I'm saying? How have you been responding to stress, anxiety, or uncertainty right now? Are you seeing patterns of behavior when unexpected events happen with drinking? What do you wish was different? I'd love to know, like get a pulse of where you guys are in the chat. So just let me know like what's happening with you right now in alcohol. Like what are you noticing your patterns are? If it's been amplified, if it's no different than it was a few months ago, like what is happening for you? And I wanna make sure I address that. Alice, I feel like I drink out of habit and boredom. Yes. So the habits, that's, that's a great thing to share. Habits are formed with repetitive, by repetitive behaviors, okay? Habits don't just happen, you know, thinking it's just a habit. A lot of people tell me that it's just a habit. And that's not a very empowering way to think about it because it's like, well, then where's your power? How do we change it if we don't really know where it comes from? But habits are developed with repeated behavior, and especially with alcohol, if you have a habit, like a nightly drinking habit while you're cooking dinner, that started somewhere, and if you can imagine what would happen, you know, like just imagine not drinking, what would come up for you? <laughs> what would you be feeling and experiencing? That's why you're drinking. So boredom, stressed, tired, right? Overwhelm, all that kind of stuff is loneliness. A lot of that stuff is why we're doing it. Okay. Go back over here to the chat. Amy, stopped for 30 days and had a bad night drinking too much and now sticking to the plan. Good. So you're able to like get back to it. That's great. Katie, you've increased your drinking, especially after a vacation to Vegas. Three days in moderation, then triggered to binge. Diane, I've been doing well, but my childhood friend just died suddenly on Sunday. Now I have wine each night. I know it's temporary and I'll go back to alcohol free, but it's frustrating that I'm choosing to drink. I think, Diane, for you, just like understanding why you are, though, right? So you are sad because your friend died. Can you allow yourself to be sad? Can you understand that that would be a normal emotional response to feel and that it's not something that you need to escape from? You know, like give yourself an opportunity tonight to, to explore that. Like, can I just like a great question for you might be is, can I just sit with this for a little bit and and try to process this without doing anything about it? You know, this is when these patterns are created, though. Right. So the next time somebody dies or the next time something big like that happened, your brain's going to be like, oh, yeah, let's drink. You have an opportunity right now to practice being sad in real time with a real thing and allow yourself to process and feel that now. So you don't have to work on that later. Like let yourself be with those emotions now as they're coming in real time, <laughs> right? A lot of times what happens is people drink through this stuff and then six months later, they're like, you know, I never processed that death or what happened to me or what happened, you know, with the pandemic, like that's what we're seeing a lot of, of teenagers and kids and people from the pandemic. Like now we're seeing the emotional effects of all of that. Right. But like you have an opportunity now in real time to pause and process that and work through that. 
I would take advantage of that, even though I know it feels hard. Terry said, lost my parents and dog within a year and a half, but this has been ongoing my entire adult life, but just started to get bad a few years ago. Yeah. Yes, dealing with other people's depression. Right. So like other people's feelings, this is something you guys want to consider too, is like other people's feelings aren't problems either. Right. And we don't need to try to fix other people's feelings. Now, if they are suicidal or depressed, like get them the help that they need and support them in that way, like do that. But thinking somebody, thinking other people should be feeling something that they aren't <laughs> makes you feel bad, right? That's when like the energies in our household affects us, right? It's like everybody, all people should be having feelings, you know, thinking things should be different or we shouldn't be feeling this way. It causes us to feel like unnecessary negative feelings that then we want to drink from them. Molly, one thing I noticed when I stopped over drinking is I thought if I replaced alcohol with something healthy, then I was solving the problem. Healthy being knitting, walking, watching a funny show. But I realized I still wasn't solving the issue. I need to learn how to deal with my feelings. Yes. Yeah. So like you can do all those things, plan to do all those things, but just notice like if you didn't do those things for five minutes, what would come up for you? And like, can I just be with this feeling right now without thinking of it as being a problem? The other way to do it is check in with yourself throughout the day and let yourself process and feel as the day goes on. So you're not carrying all this stuff with you to the end of the day. And that's when most of us want to escape by drinking and eating and watching TV. So you can process as you go. Throughout the day, check in, five minutes, some deep breaths, ask yourself, go back to what I talked about in the beginning, ask yourself how I'm feeling right now. Am I, are my shoulders up to my ears? Am I, you know, am I breathing? How do I feel? You know, check in, breathe, allow, process, right? And, and let that move through you and instead of holding on to all of that to the end of the day. <laughs> Dang, those patterns, Catherine says. So hard to change it. Won't change unless 100% committed. And that is the problem, being 100% committed. Does one just get sick of themselves? Yes. <laughs> How do you get the strength besides wanting to lose weight? Or were you just done? So for me, when I started, I didn't mention this, but when I started my um, journey to stop over drinking, I, I did take a break for about 90 days because I wanted to lose weight as well. And I knew that that was holding me back. And then I did drink for a while and it was very, very light, very, you know, not every day. It was only a couple glasses here or there, maybe once or twice a week. And then I just got to the point where like, I didn't like it. I didn't really like the taste of it. I didn't like that buzzed feeling. I'm just like, why am I doing this? Why am I choosing to numb myself when I'm out to dinner with my family? Like even just one glass had a big effect on me. And so I just made a decision one day. I was like, yeah, I think I'm just done and I haven't drank since. So I think you do kind of sometimes just get sick of it. And you're just like, I've explored all of this. I really see what it's like when I drink now. And some people decide just to be done with it. And other people just you know, decide to keep it in their lives. But it's very light. You know, it's, they're not using it to solve their emotional problems. So the other thing, Catherine, about that 100% committed thing, sometimes we, when we think I need to be 100% committed, it's like this all or nothing approach. And we get real sick of that. And we end up quitting on ourselves a lot of the time. So I recommend like a B minus approach, <laughs> little shifts, right? 80%. If you could improve it by 80%, what would that mean to you in your life? So if we look at, if you guys ever added up, how much you drink on a weekly basis or a monthly basis, like the number of drinks. And you should all do the math, not to be hard on yourselves, but just to be aware. That's part of this process is be aware and tell yourself the truth, right? What would an 80% reduction on that number mean to you in your life, right? 80% reduction is a B minus, not perfection, right? But an 80% reduction. It's huge. It would be life-changing, right? So that's available to you by learning how to be with your emotions. If you can be with your feelings and pause and process, you don't need alcohol. 
And then you drink so much less because you, if you choose to keep it in your life, it truly is just for an occasional an enjoyment. Maybe you're out to dinner with friends and it's not this need that you have to numb yourself. Oh, Catherine, B minus, can do, working on a D to a C. Perfect. Go from a D to a C. Get good at being a C and then go to a B, right? Like you guys all want to start celebrating the little wins that you do have too. Don't forget to do that. Okay, I'm going to move on. All right, so how to not overdrink during hard times. We talked about why we are doing it, right? We have emotions. Emotions are problems, right? But now I'm going to give you the tools about how you can cut back. All right. So you want to decide ahead of time when you're not in response in your, of your feelings. Okay. How much you will or will not drink. So I, for my clients that are in my program, I make them fill out a weekly drink plan. So like on Sunday or Monday, they decide what they're going to be drinking for the week and which days they're not drinking and how much and what kind. <laughs> okay. So we make these decisions ahead of time when we're not in our emotional response to things. When we're like in the morning, nothing's really come up for us during the day. We're fresh and we can think about the kind of relationship with alcohol that we want to have. Then we make better decisions. Okay. The other recommendation around that is to not drink if you are upset or you notice yourself in a high emotional response, even if you've planned it. Because even if you've planned it ahead of time and you're having some anxiety or sadness or something like that and you drink when you're feeling that way, it's just going to keep that loop going, right? So we want to make decisions around alcohol that are not in response to how we feel or circumstances in the world to help us feel better or to make us feel more excited or more joy or more pleasurable. Make sense? Okay. Decide how much alcohol, like part of like looking ahead to your goals is like, how much do you think you'd like to drink on average right now? It might be zero. It might be three to four drinks a week. You get to decide. You are the one that gets to decide what that looks like. Now, I will say, I didn't say this at the, at the beginning of the class, but for you guys that are new here, if you've been not drinking, if you've been sober and you know that if you drink, it causes a lot of problems for you, this is not for you. Okay, this is for people that know that they can easily take three or four days off without it being a big deal, right? They're not going to have withdrawals, any of that stuff. You know, they're not going to go like pass out, black out if they have a drink, like they feel like this could be doable for them. If you have an extreme, if you're really far on the spectrum of your alcohol use, then this probably is not going to be a good idea. I just need to make sure I understand. I'm a life coach. I help people talk about their feelings, understand what they're thinking, make goals, that kind of thing. So just wanted to make sure I mentioned that. So that's the first part of it. Decide ahead of time. Okay. Intentionally decide how you're going to use alcohol during your week. Write that plan out on paper. Set the plan. Right. It's a strategy for you. The next part of that is processing your feelings and your urges. So I'm using feelings and urges for alcohol interchangeably because the urge to do something is just a feeling. It's just like that feeling that gets you to take action. It's just a vibration in your body, just like sadness is or happiness. Okay. So when you have your drink plan set for the week and it's not a time to drink, or maybe you've had one, like one drink or two is on your plan and you're having this feeling for more, this urge for more, you want to allow that feeling to be there and not resist it. Okay. So you want to take a deep breath, be really gentle with yourself, deep cleansing breath into your body, go into your body, notice where you're feeling that tension or that urginess or that vibration and breathe into it and relax. Allow it to take up some space in your body. Don't resist. Don't tighten up. Don't fight it. That takes so much energy. You will exhaust yourself. And usually give in because it's it's just depleting. Okay. You want to stop thinking. You want to get out of your brain and into your body. You want to focus on what's feeling in your body right now. Okay. Connect with your body. We also don't know how to do this. <laughs> we don't know what we feel, what's happening internally, all of this stuff. You need to learn how to do that. So use this as an opportunity to connect with yourself internally. Okay. You also want to anticipate having urges in the normal times that you drink and welcome that. Don't think it's a problem. 
You understand why you're having urges, right? Because you've programmed your brain to drink in these times in response to circumstances, feelings, all of that stuff. And of course, your brain is going to want you to do that because it wants to take the easiest way possible. It wants to be repetitive, right? Like we're programmed to have habits so that we don't have to think about things so much. Okay, so it makes sense that your brain is urging you to do that. It's not a problem. The other part of this is don't judge your feelings. We talked about that earlier. If you notice yourself wishing, I wish I didn't feel like this or this sucks, hate this, pause and remind yourself that what you're feeling is normal and it's not a problem. It's a vibration in your body and you are 100% made to handle this because you're a human. You're born with these feelings, okay? They're supposed to be there. They're not a problem and you don't want to use that against yourself. Terry, what if we have an all or nothing personality? I would stop telling yourself that you have an all or nothing personality. <laughs> like that's a thought. I am all or nothing. That is not the truth of who you are. It's not 100% a fact. I'm sure you can find some other, if you really wanted to dig into it, you could ask yourself like, in what other way, in what other areas of, of my life where I'm not all or nothing? you'll find some evidence there. It's not a fact that you're all or nothing and that your personality, it's attached to your personality. So I would just stop telling yourself that and just be like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to be say that does it be minus and see what happens. I'm learning how to do something in moderation. I'm learning how to do something where I'm not like 100% all in. I mean, I want you guys to be 100% all in, but like be gentle when it doesn't work out 100% of the time because we're humans. We make mistakes all the time. To expect that we'll do any of this perfectly is just setting yourself up to be disappointed. It's just the truth. Go into it, try, do your best, right? But don't expect perfection. It's progress, not perfection. I have a really good podcast episode on that. Amy, you're feeling happy about the alcohol, but how do I get the snacking under control? The same thing. You want to plan your snacks. <laughs> Try to only eat when you're hungry, like tuning in, connecting with your body. Am I hungry right now? Or am I bored? <laughs> or am I tired? Right? You want to acknowledge, name it, describe it, check in with yourself. It's the same exact process with food. Okay. So the other thing about this, there's no more virtue in drinking less versus drinking more. Don't compare what you're doing to other people. A lot of times when you guys are starting to look for help to stop over drinking, you know, really the only thing that we can search for is like sober stories and stuff like that. And you're going to see a lot of information about what other people are doing. You just want to focus on you and what's working for you and aim for little tweaks, little successes to build you up and go for B minus, okay? So if for you, what is doable for you right now is gonna be different for other people. So just stay with you. There's no more virtue in drinking less versus drinking more. You're not bad if you decide you wanna drink more and you put four drinks on your plan one night versus somebody who does zero. You know, you're not immoral for that. Okay, just decide that you were working on you and that you're going to be success, successful and you're going to figure out how to do this. How are we doing on time here? We're good. Okay, you guys with me here? Come back to me if you're not. <laughs> Put questions in there, okay, if you have them. So we're identifying how we're feeling right now. Okay, just to recap it. Identifying how we're feeling, we're naming it. We're pausing, we're processing our feelings, okay? We're understanding that our feelings are not a problem. We're gonna connect with ourselves, we're gonna breathe, we're gonna allow. We're gonna make decisions about alcohol ahead of time, okay? Now, you've got all that, right? So we're gonna do that. Now we're gonna look ahead and we're gonna identify some obstacles that we might be facing, right? So to think that this is gonna go perfectly and you're gonna be 100% is a lie. <laughs> It's not, right? You're going to have some obstacles that come up. So what might get in your way of executing and following your plans, right? All of your best intentions, but there's going to be some obstacles that come in your way. So maybe you've got some family and friends asking you questions. Maybe you have unexpected invitations. Maybe you have some urges that you weren't planning for. 
Maybe your brain is like on fire with the chatter. Like it doesn't matter. Who cares? Right? Maybe you overdo it one night or you don't follow through. And then you have thoughts like, oh, I'll just start on Monday. It doesn't matter. These are some obstacles that you want to see and know ahead of time and have a strategy for how you're going to overcome your obstacles when you're faced with them in the moment. Okay. So you want to plan for those obstacles. You want to journal and write down what you will say or do. If somebody asks if you want a drink and how you want to respond to that, you can just be, I don't want to tonight is a perfectly legitimate answer. So is just no thanks. You don't owe an explanation to anybody. Okay. No thanks. I don't want to tonight. Whatever. But plan ahead what that sounds like. Practice saying that in your mind. Okay visualize yourself doing that when it happens because it will for sure if you guys drink you hang around people that drink and they're going to ask questions unless you hide yourself away in your closet right which doesn't work don't do that put yourself out in situations see your people if you want to and have a, a plan for how you're going to address this and then another obstacle might be is like days that you don't really feel good like maybe you're really tired or maybe you're down or you know, your, your family is struggling in some way, or you're reading the news, like there's going to be days where you don't feel great. And your brain's going to want to go back to its default. You want to have a strategy for when you don't feel the best. Like what can you do instead? Can you do a meditation? Can you plan to go for a walk? Can you take a bath? Can you drink some tea? Like what are some things that you know that you like that it would be super healthy and supportive for you on the days that you feel bad, like PMS time, Great way to have like a strategy. I, for my clients, I'm like, if you suffer from anxiety or depression, have a depression strategy, right? What do you want to do that feels extra loving and supportive for you? That's healthy on days that you feel like that. We already talked about this, but what do you do or what will you say when somebody offers you a drink or your plans change suddenly? So I recommend that you stick to your drink plan no matter what. Don't make don't shift your plans because you get an unexpected invitation. Like honor your, learn how to honor your commitments that you make to yourself. Can I just go to this and not drink? Can I go to this thing and have a mocktail? Do I want to go to this thing? Can I just learn how to be social and not drink for one night? It's just one night. Surely I could do that, right? Don't this, what we make this in our head, like the drama that we put around these types of things in our head <laughs> causes us to feel a lot more anxious and nervous and worried than is necessary. Most people just really don't care. They really, really don't. They're worried about their own drinking, not what you're doing. Okay. And then again, just what will you be doing or what, what do you want to do when you're feeling crappy or overly excited. This could be another thing, like you're really excited about a vacation or a party or something, right? Or a big win, a celebratory thing. Those can be equally as triggering to uh, for us to overdrink than the negative emotions. So if you know that about yourself, like you want to have that plan, that strategy for when that happens. And this is just not something like, you know, you don't need a spreadsheet for this. You just write it out. This is what I want to do when this happens. This is what I want to do when this happens. Okay. And you have like your little obstacle journal pages that you can refer to when these things come up. Like, oh yeah, this is what I decided that I wanted to do. I'm going to do that. You're, you're planning ahead with a higher part of your brain that has the best intentions for you. When you wait until you're in the obstacle to make those decisions and figure out how to navigate that, it's really hard because your emotions are high, your intelligence is low, and we don't make the best decisions for ourselves and we get confused. Mocktail, you'd never heard of that before, Terry? Oh my gosh. Yes, mocktails are a thing and they're super popular right now. If you go to a bar or a restaurant, normally they'll they'll pull something together. I just go and be like, you know, I don't want any alcohol. Can you can you do like I'll look at the drink menu and and something will sound really good like with some cool things. I'm like, can you do that without the vodka? Or can you make me a mocktail that's like not super sweet? Tell them kind of like what you like, and they'll usually come up with something. It's really fun. I just hosted. Um, I I donated to a local fundraiser, and I my sponsorship was a mocktail. So I I bought the ingredients that is my favorite mocktail, and like 
you know, supported the the thing like that. It was super fun. I had little napkins made. Um, it's very refreshing. I still felt social. It was pretty. It was pink. And there was a little raspberry in there. And like, you know, people were enjoying it. Like it, it can feel as special as a glass of wine or something like that. Catherine, so what is your best strategy? I know we're all wired differently, but somehow you have managed for four years to make this work for you. Not that your strategy would work for me, but us, but curious on one major thought pattern you use when you're feeling the urges or stress. Um, there's a lot of strategies. So I do everything that I'm telling you to do. I make my plan. I don't drink anymore, so I don't plan my drinks. I have no desire to drink, so I don't get urges to drink anymore, which is a fucking miracle. But for food, I still plan my food ahead of time. I still allow urges. I'm doing exactly the same things that I tell you. I think about it ahead, like if it's a holiday or with food, if it's a holiday, I'll make sure I like write down all the foods that I want to eat. I don't try to like limit myself. I just, my rules, like I, I'll eat when I'm hungry and I'm stopping when I'm satisfied. And even sometimes on like Thanksgiving, I might even plan, I'm going to eat a little bit past satisfied. I'm going to eat till I'm full. <laughs> and I plan intentionally for that. So there's no guilt on the other end. I manage my mind. I self-coach. I get coaching all the time. So I have coaches. I have a therapist is also part of my strategies for myself. I'm constantly exploring my mind and my feelings and learning about myself and why I respond to different things. So that's also a tool that you guys should be using. You should get support when you need support. Like there is no shame in getting any kind of support, spiritual advisor, coach, therapist, friends, family, whatever it is. You should, you should communicate and process with other people. It's super, super helpful. All right, I want to talk about the mindset obstacles. These are probably the biggest obstacles that you guys are facing is what you are thinking in your head. And you, most of you guys believe the thoughts in your brain, <laughs> right? Like you believe you're an all or nothing person or I just love my wine or I can't imagine going out on a Friday night and not drinking. Those are thoughts, those are belief systems that you've practiced believing for a really, really long time. And it feels like a fact in your head, but it's not. It's just a thought. So on the left here, we've got our current beliefs about alcohol. Like I can't get through this family event without wine. If you can be open to seeing that is that is an obstacle, right? And we know this is an obstacle because it's making you drink more than you probably want to, right? So you know when you think something like this on this left, that you end up drinking more than you want, right? And if you don't want to be drinking that much, we have to be willing to look at this differently. You just need to open up your mind to consider that you might be wrong, <laughs> to consider that there might be an alternative to think about this, okay? So if you were open to that, it might sound like I can choose to go and not drink or not go, or not drinking is boring is a very common obstacle. That was my number one obstacle is I thought it would be boring and that people that didn't drink were boring, right? But when you recognize the pattern of over drinking, it's kind of boring. Like, our, like somebody said, we just get so sick of ourselves. Yeah, it's boring to be stuck in the same pattern over and over again. That sucks, right? There's no excitement there. There's nothing new there that you're learning and discovering or experiencing. It's the same thing over and over again. It's boring, <laughs> right? So you could be like, yeah, I see that. The pattern of over drinking is actually boring. Just These are just some ideas, right, that you can think about. They will have my favorite wine is another common thought. You could be like, yeah, and I could go get my favorite wine tomorrow if I really wanted it. It's not an emergency, Okay. Another thought is like, I need wine to take the edge off. And then maybe you consider thinking, you know what? The edge isn't a problem. Let me just be here for a minute. Let me just process this. Okay. So these are just some suggestions that you can think about differently, but the power will come when, when you come up with a thought that you believe. You can borrow these to get you started, but when you come up with your own thoughts and you ask yourself, how can I think about this differently? Is this what I'm thinking right now? Is this holding me back? Could I think about this differently? Yes. Okay, what could I think? And then you ask yourself that question and you'll come up with some ideas that you can think about that's for you, powerful. Use mine in the meantime though. <laughs> Kier says, you bet your ass it's boring. Yes. So somebody asked what my favorite mocktail was. So what I did for this event was um, 
kabucha. I love kabucha. Um, I try to find one without any added sugar to it, but it's called goddess guava kabucha. It's pink. It's delicious. And I, I cut it with, um, some like sparkling water, like sparkling strawberry water or like a flavored, maybe it's sparkling raspberry water or something like that. This is like half kabucha, half sparkling water, put a little raspberry in there. It's pink. It's bubbly. It's pretty. It's refreshing. You can drink a lot of it. No side effects. Okay. This is really important. And I want to learn how I can incorporate more of this into my webinars going forward. But it gets back to this. Like, we don't know how to connect with ourselves. Okay. We need to learn how to be a human in a modern world. And we don't know how to do that. We don't know how to be humans. We really don't. So just like the trees in the forest are connected to earth with roots, okay, in life, humans are connected to the earth and the energy of the world. And the more you can learn about how to be a human with your human emotions and your human experiences and allow yourself to be human and accept all of your imperfections, and not make it mean anything about yourself, you will drink less. I promise you. My last piece of advice is this, and it's if you can do anything today, it would be this. Get outside. Like, I, I know you've heard this before, and it might be overly repeated. But taking a walk in the park or a garden or a forest or just laying in your front lawn on the grass is something that you want to do. You want to get out and experience life. Okay, put your technology at home, keep it at home. And when you go out there, you want to get out of your head and you want to notice the sounds and the smells and the colors and the wildlife and the shape and the temperatures and the life in detail that is all around you. We are humans, we are animals, and we need to learn how to connect with more life. And when we do that, it's like, for me, it's like this meditation, right? It's like, I get out, I get out of my own head. I get out of my own problems and I observe life happening. And it's like, I feel alive. I feel really, really good. And I don't want to escape that. Okay. So if you want to drink less, you got to get outside. I promise you, even in bad weather, go get some rain jackets and some boots and some gloves and go. I went out all winter this winter. It was amazing. Amazing. I went out this morning. It was raining. You just, it, it fills you up and I can't even begin to explain it in the next few minutes, but just trust me, do it. This is one thing that I do no matter what, is I move my body and I get outside. Connecting with nature will help you connect with yourself and the world around you. It helps lower cortisol, stress hormones, reduces your anxiety, reduces your heart rate, your blood pressure, and can greatly increase the quality of your life greatly increase the quality of your life so much so that you won't want to escape your life with alcohol. I promise you when you're noticing right now, it's spring, you know, spring is coming. You're noticing these new buds forming and the grasses are coming up in the woods and the birds are chirping and there's just life all around you. Like, and you're a part of that. It's magical. Catherine says, amen. Love your wreck on nature. Catherine, was it you that sent me the book? I think it was. Thank you and know you are so right about this. So appreciate you're encouraging this. Back in the day I did this and got in a bad spiral. So thank you. Yeah, so even if it's just five minutes, y'all, go out there and do this and notice. Yes, I know it was supposed to be anonymous, but I knew it was you. Thank you. Catherine knows how much I love nature and she sent me a beautiful book. Oh my gosh, Amy, New Zealand. My gosh, I want to come there and be with the trees in New Zealand. I was just reading about this yesterday. Seriously. Hi, Tasha. Hi, Jess. Yes, nature energizes you. You you absorb. It's like you are a plant, an animal. You absorb the energy of that and it makes you feel good. These are just some pictures of me. Doing it outside, laying on trees, touching rocks, breathing in the fresh mountain air. You know, one of my favorite things is seeing the sunrise and like hiking up and seeing the sunrise come up over the mountains. 
you know, it's just, it really has filled me up and I'm going to be incorporating more nature into my stop over drinking and start living programs. It's coming very soon. And, um, yeah. So if you are interested in that, please let me know, but I can't speak enough. Like me laying on this tree in this middle picture, like this sounds very woo. Like I'm a tree hugger and I'm, I'm proud to own it now. Y'all like, I know the benefits of this, but like this tree is a fallen magnificent beast in the woods. And I'm like, I just want to feel that and like, think it's energy. Think it for its contribution to life in this forest. And like, when you lay on that, you get to absorb all of that magic. There's just nothing better. There's nothing better. I promise. But it takes like a practice, right? Build a practice. Maybe you just start with five minutes a day and you can build on that. Remember, B minus, don't go on. Like, I got to be this adventurer now. You don't have to do that. Just get outside in some fashion, touch the earth, breathe it, notice it, notice the smells and everything around you. Okay, that's what we got for you, y'all. Let me, um, I'm going to come back. I'm happy to answer any questions. Look at that. Right under an hour. Um, let me. I was going to share if you are interested in joining my coaching program, I am taking applications right now, but I didn't want to get into the details of that. I just wanted this is my public service to help you guys see that what is happening right now is not a problem. OK, I'm going to come back. Stop the share. It's not a problem. OK, learning how to be a human in uncertain times is the secret. Okay. And just remember that when you see other people having an emotional response, right? Teach them this, show them this, don't judge them for their feelings, accept them. You learn to accept yourself and your feelings. You will accept other people and their feelings. You're so welcome. Oh, Colby Jack. Yay. What questions can I answer for you guys? I'm going to um, put the... Amanda, can you put the application link in the chat, please? If you are new and you do want to join my coaching program, I have a six-month. It's called Stop Over Drinking and Start Living. I'm accepting applications right now. Amanda will put the link in here. We'll also include it in the replay if you want to go explore that. There's some videos you can watch. All the details are there. If you have questions, you can email us. But... Um, that's what I got for you all today. What else? Do we cover everything? Oh, where do you find the podcasts? If do you listen to podcasts, Alice? If you do, like on Apple Podcasts, um, it's on your Apple app on your app, your iPhone. It's a little purple app. Click there, and then you just search "Stop Over Drinking" or "Start Living," and start living. Um, you can just Google stop over drinking and start living podcast and all of the different players will come up. You have an Android. So um, I think that's Google Play, right? Amanda, do you know? <laughs> it's on there. It's not just it's on your podcast app on your phone. You just search stop over drinking and start living. Yeah, Google Play. So it's on there. It's on YouTube um, or my website. Where do we go for the videos? So um, we just put that in the chat, Rod. So just it's that AngelaMasenic.com forward slash join S-O-D-S-L. When you click on that, there'll be three videos. I talk about the problem of over drinking. Similarly to what we talked about today, the solution, how we move past it is learning how to feel, managing your mind, coaching, all that. And then the details is in the third video. Each of them are about maybe five to seven minutes long. So watch those and then all the details are on that page. You're welcome. Karen, how many people do you coach in each program? Do I need to be a part of Facebook to participate? You don't need to be a part of Facebook to participate. All, most of our coaching, all of the coaching hap happens on Zoom. So as long as you're comfortable doing that, you can. We do have a Facebook group for if you want written coaching in between coaching calls, you can join that. Um, but you don't have to. It's not a requirement to be successful at all. And some people decide they want to and they make like an alias and they just go in there for that. But it really, it doesn't matter. You don't have to do that. Everything is in a portal, like an online portal. So all of the videos that I have in the program, um, the workbooks that are included in the program are on a membership website. So you have a login and a pass to access that website. And then that's where um, 
all the materials light and then we put our coaching call recordings like the zoom recordings in there as well so it's all off facebook yes you are not alone terry that is for sure <laughs> jess b minus yes you got this Karen, it's a small group uh, coaching program, so there's never too many people that you wouldn't get the amount of coaching that you need. It's it's pretty small and intimate. Um, we have two to three coaching calls a week, and then plus some other bonus workshops and things that I do all the time. So, you know, there's always a way to get support. And then, of course, you can join the Facebook group if you need more than that, but it's not necessary. So we never take more people than we can manage. And usually people get coaching like, I don't know, two to four times a month. The people that are successful, a minimum two times a month, they get on a live coaching call and get direct coaching. Um, and then some people don't. They just observe the coaching calls and watch the replays and then apply that coaching to their own lives and do the workbooks and watch the videos. And it's like more of a self-study. It just you you make it how you want it. But the direct coaching is definitely definitely helps you get through things and see some of your obstacles that you may not be able to see yourself. Oh, Jess, plus one for Angela is awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Join Angela. She's awesome. I am fun. I will tell you that. <laughs> and I know what I'm doing. You know, we've been we've been at this for a while and we make it interesting. And it's a, such a safe, warm, inviting environment that anybody can come in. And um, for this, this program is just for women only right now. But yeah, so consider it. Karen says, once I get the taste of wine, I want more. Setting a one glass plan is a huge challenge. Yeah. So like, so inside the program, we have worksheets for that. Um, but if you're not in there, then you can do this on your own. But basically, like intentionally plan your alcohol when you're not in response to your urges or emotions, right? You feel like you could take it or leave it. Have a glass and then write down what your desire levels are. What's happening in your mind? How are you feeling? What does it taste like? Like write down as much detail as you can in your journal while you're drinking that glass of wine so you can observe yourself and your mind and what's happening. And sometimes you might even be like, I don't even really want this. Like, I don't really like it. Usually when we have that huge desire for more, it's because we're, again, are in, are in response to how we feel. And so then we have that one, we're like, oh, I want more, right? And a lot of times we're doing multiple things and we're not super conscious and aware of when we are drinking. So I don't recommend that you multitask while you're drinking your alcohol. Don't be working on your computer or watching TV or eating. Just sit down, enjoy the glass of wine that you've planned for. Be intentional with it. Notice how it tastes and how it smells, right? Like be aware. All of this work is about awareness, right? You can't tune out. If you want to maintain a relationship with alcohol, you cannot tune out while you're drinking it. Because that's when we just lose track and we're not mindful. So, good. As things come back, it includes dinners, especially for girls' nights, birthdays. It always includes cocktails, dinner, wine, and dessert. Wine's the whole thing. So simple, I'm not drinking tonight would then trigger those questions, long-term group that gets together. Yeah, so like, it's okay that that triggers those questions, right? Humans, remember what we talked about earlier? It's like humans like re repetition. We like the same thing over and over again. And so when somebody in a group environment decides to break away and not do the same rituals and the same things that we normally do, of course, the group is going to have questions about that. They're like, wait, what's happening? This is not, this is unusual. Alert, 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 right? Your brain's like, what? They're confused. Like, what's happening? It's different, right? That's normal. And so knowing that, that they might have questions, it's okay, right? You can just be like, you know what? I just don't want to drink tonight. And like, if they keep pushing, you'd be like, y'all, I just don't want to drink tonight. I don't care if you drink. Please drink, but I'm choosing not to drink tonight. Anyway, what have you been up to? Like, change the subject. Like, just get off of it. You can do that. That's not hard. 
we make this ahead of time drama in our head so much bigger than it actually is. And if they keep pushing you, you could tell them, be like, I'm really just, I want to drink less, y'all. Like, I love you and I don't want to drink right now. It's okay. Does it mean anything? That's, that's for me. You guys do you. I hear you though. I, I understand like our, your brain is scared of that and just that's normal. Like we just have to be willing to like be uncomfortable with that sometimes too though, right? It doesn't, it won't last forever. You have a couple of those conversations and it gets easier and easier over time. I promise. And some updates if you've made it this far. I'm hosting another challenge called the Wine Free Weekend. So before it was called the Wine Free Weekday Challenge. But now we're going to do it on the weekend because a lot of y'all over drink on the weekends. <laughs> so make sure you click the link in the show notes and sign up for that. It's at the end of April. Talk soon. Have a beautiful week. Didn't